0: On a fight and I will
1: drag you down and sell you out. Run away. Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Caster here with my co-host Ed Birdsall. Mr.
0: Birdsall, how you doing? Happy Saturday. Adam. Uh, I'm good. I'm uh I'm ready to uh, get another episode of the basement talk podcast underway we've uh, we've done two episodes this week of the podcast and then I've done an episode of the Quiz quizvitational which was recorded on Friday you're going to hear you're going to hear this episode of the regular basement talk this is going to be out Sunday and then the Quiz Votational, which is already edited is ready to go you're probably going to hear that I would say probably Tuesday is when that one is going to, uh, to come out. But, yeah, it was a very successful um, episode of the and We've already had a very successful episode of the podcast earlier in the week when we talked all about hockey, which was wonderful. And anybody who was a big hockey fan, go check that out. And uh, I'm here for, uh, for another episode. This is definitely a, a, a different episode episode because it's nothing really concrete outside of news and notes that we're going to be talking about which which is different it's a it's a it's a nice change of pace yeah we do have a pretty interesting show it's my own book bu- it's my own uh, bookkeeping there adam castor
1: okay fine so yeah we have a pretty interesting show going on here and we're going to start off with news and notes as per usual because a lot has happened since we last recorded as as is per usual because that is, that's just how it goes. And basically every soccer league in Europe has, except for the Bundesliga, who's uh, playing as we speak, has decided that they're going to be restarting in early June, mid, mid-June, I would say, around like the 11th or 13th. So it's just an interesting thing. I think, of course, this is a cash grab, because they see that the Bundesliga is going on with no competition, really, unless you're really into uh, Korean baseball or Japanese soccer. But they're going out with no competition, so all the other European leagues are like, well, we want some of that too. And that's that's the reasoning. I, I can't say that they have safety as their highest priority if they're going to be going back this soon without any sort of treatments or any sort of vaccine, especially the Premier League in England, where England next to probably America is one of the worst countries of like the main first world countries of the P5 in the Security Council. The, <laughs> uh, England, the United Kingdom is probably one of the worst at handling this coronavirus pandemic. And they're gonna say, yeah, we're gonna have the Premier League because we want that Premier League money. You said the five-letter V-word many times. I did say the five-letter
0: V-word many times. Um, I, I'm going from a very uh, optimistic point of view. I would think that these leagues are getting underway again under the strict advice and recommendations of the health councils of each nation that these leagues go out and represent. So I don't think that the countries would allow these leagues to be underway unless they know that it is going to be one hundred percent safe um uh, that is of course the extreme optimistic side of me. The realistic side just basically confide in in what Adam is going after and saying that this is a big money grab, which well, yeah that's it's about right i can I can subscribe to that theory. But in, in any event, it's going to be good for for us fans that we can have something else to watch and have a bit more creativity the The Premier League schedule I don't know if I don't know if you've seen it Adam, um, but their plan is for the better part of a month to a month and a half of having at least one or two matches every day
1: which every is day?
0: every day, including four matches apiece on Saturdays and Sundays, but at least but having, having at least one match for every day of the week that that is nuts well there it's going to have to be a uh, a tight schedule so that is the that is the world that we are uh, that we are living in but yeah i'm 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 very happy that it it is back that we're getting full scale european football back and um it looks like the nhl is coming back we have we've had that conversation already the nba looks like it's trying to make some headway and lay some foundation for a return for them and it just seems like the only league right now that really is not not about coming back is major league baseball and the real question with with major league baseball is you have the players who basically are not going to take another pay cut on top of what they've already taken from the owners and, and and you know what rightfully so i think that these owners are these are deep pocketed billionaires that you know are sitting are they're sitting at home they're protected they're self they're quarantining they're doing what they have to do and these players are going out there they're putting their own health at risk they're putting their family's health at risk why should they go out and do that when they're ta- and they're taking less money to do it makes no sense they've taken one voluntary pay, pay cut why are they taking a second one why should they have to take a second one when they could just say, you know what? I can just sit sit at home, get paid, and protect my family and I. I I, I don't I don't disavow what the players are doing by, by any stretch of the imagination. Well yeah, I think just in this sense I mean not
1: only in the in the Premier League, but just uh in Europe as a whole, and really in the Amer in America too. With uh, the NHL, I mean, the NBA has uh, given a plan. They're thinking about July 31st for their restart, but they haven't gotten as far as hockey and um, baseball. Who knows what's going on with baseball? And then football hopes it's going to be happening in the fall, but I I don't know. But this is is ridiculous. I mean, this is really a sense of the employer – like if this happened this is a really sense of the of an employer treating their employees like like they're not human like they're second class citizens when they're just sending them out to potentially get sick and potentially get a lot of other people sick and spread this disease around and while the owners get to sit in their luxury boxes and enjoy the entertainment of a, of their money making enterprise that is the premier league I mean, it's not the player's fault that the owners are just having their heads above water when the uh, season normally happens. I mean, it's not the, uh, it's not the player's fault that um, soccer in Europe has gotten to the point of overspending to a point where teams could go out of business if leagues stopped play for any extended period of time. I mean, they were, get, they were offered these contracts and they signed these contracts. And these contracts are legally binding, with only a few instances where the contracts can be voided. So, I'm, if I'm a player and I sign this contract, then I deserve to to get all the money on the contract because these contracts are written, are in writing, legally binding. And the owners really, if this doesn't work, they're going to try and pit the uh, fans against the players, saying that they're um privileged athletes pay, playing a kids game and getting paid lavishly for it but i mean that's just that's just how it is that's how sports is if they were paid if they were paid normal wages then the owners would get even more money out of the out of these athletes whose career spans are about 15 years in in a good sense and about four or five when they're making top dollar. So, this not only is this just a cash grab by the owners, but it's also dehumanizing for the players because I mean, we talked about Troy Dini of Watford who doesn't want to uh, play because his, his son, his very young son, has a, a respiratory condition, a pre existing re- respiratory condition. So if, God forbid, Troy Troy Tini gets coronavirus and he doesn't know, he's asymptomatic, he could be giving that to his young son and sentencing his young son to a fate that no parent wants to deal with. So those are really mainly my thoughts on
0: it. Very well said. Very well said. Uh, Prolonged monologue. Now, this is the
1: fun part. We're going to move on to our question and answer section. It's a mailbag. We haven't had one of these in about a month and a half.
0: Mail time?
1: Mail time. So, Bert and I each collected questions from our friends. Uh, these are going to be kept anonymous, just because. Just We've collected questions from our friends, and we're going to alternate uh, questions for us to answer. We each have four. Friends, friends slash listeners. Friends slash listeners. But... uh Most of my friends aren't into sports, so they don't listen
0: to the podcast. So that's why. That's a shame. We are in it for more than just sports. We are in it for pure entertainment, joy, and, of course, fun. You're right. I couldn't have sounded more
1: genuine even if you tried. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think – well, I had first pick for the Mount Rushmore – so I think you should have the first question.
0: Surely. There, Mr. Castor, I can, I can dish out the, the first question. So this comes from an anonymous listener because we are keeping this very, very top secret. Um, they want to know that, well, the, the, there's a prolonged statement in this, but I'll just narrow it down. Um, that this listener enjoys the Mount Rushmore segments that we do. And wants to know off the top of, on the top of our heads, could you give a Mount Rushmore for musicians, right off the cuff? Okay, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. You see, you, you see, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not a big Beatles guy. Really? Yeah, I, I, I appreciate what the Beatles have done for. Uh, music, but I- I'm not. I, I don't. Like, I'm not rushing to turn on the Beatles or-, or anything like that. I just don't. I'm not. I'm not a big. Uh, I'm not a big. I'm not a big Beatles guy. Um, I'm just. I'm just. Just. I have a few jotted down, and I'm trying to. Uh, I mean, if
1: you want me to do a serious one, that's not just the Beatles, then I could do that also sure go ahead the beatles i mean the beatles are great but i mean they would definitely be the george washington on my mount rushmore sure um the second one i'd say this one is something i'm a big fan of eminem actually i listened i've listened to him for a while um he's been a crazy thing he's been in the music industry for over 20 years because wow. his first album came out in 1999 so he's, uh, an Oscar winning actor as well, or I think he was either nominated or, or he won for his uh, performance in eight mile. And then, Hmm. See musicians is tough. Cause they're just so, there are just so many, cause at least with sports, I mean, there are, there are a lot, but you know, there are always a lot of athletes that, um, people expect you to put there, but with musicians, the, the, uh, pop artists change every like 10, every like five or six years. So it can be a little hard to keep up.
0: I have mine. I have mine. It's easy. Okay. For me. Uh, my number one, my, uh, top of Mount Rushmore won't be a surprise to anybody who knows me. Uh, it is Kenny Chesney. Uh, number two on my list is my forever wife, the love of my life. Shania Twain. Uh, Shania, hello. I love you. Um, I'll see you. I'll see you tonight, honey. Uh, Number three on my list is uh, the man from Wild himself, Mr. Billy Joel. And fourth on my list is, I I put in a double entry here because I can't, I don't really tell them apart, but it is uh, Genesis slash Phil Collins. Ooh, I do like Phil Collins. Yes, I do too. Yeah. That was, that was uh, mine. I have I have a few others that were written down, but for the sake of, uh, of narrowing it down, I've just gone with four that I really do identify with. So, uh, Kenny Chesney, Billy Joel, Nia Twain, Phil Collins for me.
1: Big fan, big fan of those. And I guess my, my last year I do enjoy a bit of Jimi Hendrix. My dad got me into yeah. that cause he was very into that when he was younger which kind of
0: gives you an insight into how old my dad is, but so if your dad if your dad is into Jimi Hendrix, is your dad a uh, is your dad a deadhead? He's not a deadhead. Oh wow, wow! Because I, I know a ton. I know a ton of people who are very much into Jimi Hendrix and are also uh, are also deadheads. I don't know. The funny thing is, on a on a short side tangent, my
1: dad could have gone to Woodstock. You've told me he, this, but he didn't. He yes, you you told me this. He went to some music festival in Canada. He, Ooh, yikes. I'm like, why didn't you go to Woodstock? You you were in you live in New York. I mean, I think he was in Cortland at the time. So he, he was, didn't go to Woodstock, but
0: he was in Cortland?
1: Yeah. Oh God. I don't know. I'm sure. Can you imagine how what the tickets must have been like? As far oh, as expenses. God. Yeah. I'd be like going to a Super Bowl almost. Except it's a three-day endeavor. Nothing wrong with that. Although my friend's dad said he went to Woodstock, and he left after two days because it just
0: got really disgusting after a while. Oh, I'm not surprised. But that was a uh, that was a very very good question. How he, then, and then? we uh, when we went to uh, to Woodstock. So, uh, thank you, uh, thank you for your question. All right.
1: So my question from an anonymous friend of mine is this is a fun one what would you say your favorite character in fiction is and why your favorite in what f- fiction your favorite fictional
0: character and why <sighs> wow that's a that's a loaded loaded question because you're basically asking me to go into every film that I've watched and pick out fictional character that i really like um do you have one adam
1: honestly this is a this is very tough this is a tough question this is a
0: really loaded question my friend is pretty good at these yeah this is this is like this this is like channeling deep into your mind and i feel like there's something when i answer this question is going to come out on the other side it's like so what have what have you learned from this experience? What have you
1: learned about yourself
0: Yeah, what, in this experience? Have you, have you successfully completed your journey through the eps and flows of your mind? Oh, God.
1: Honestly, the funny thing is my favorite fictional character has fluctuated depending on how old I am because it just changes over time. I've never had one that's been consistently my favorite fictional character? Ah, Fuck. I would probably say like Tony Soprano, maybe. That was one that I was
0: debating, yeah.
1: Or, um, yeah,
0: Tony Soprano. I do, I I have mine, I have mine. Okay. Um, Because I don't know if he's my favorite of all time, but he definitely is someone that I do identify with based on that I do have... I, it, this is going to sound like I have, a, uh, that I have a problem, but there are definitely moments where I do tend to have a self-monologue of myself. And this person does that as well in his role for this show. So I'm going to go with uh, Frank Underwood, House of Ooh, Cards. That's a good one. I mean, yes, great, great television show tip.
1: Not considering the actor. I used to really like that actor
0: that guy we're not even mentioning his name
1: no he's voldemort we're not mentioning his name
0: i i was i used to be a big fan of that actor but um i how i feel about that actor now does not change how i feel about frank underwood i think that's one of the at least in my life a show that i was able to see in the flesh and watch as it progressed and and played on um that was one of the best played characters that I had ever seen in live television where I could actually keep up with the series and watch it over time. Um, obviously, it's not The Sopranos, you know, when I was really young and didn't have many brain cells, but, you know, when I was able to re-watch it and re-watch it and re-watch it, and re-watch it over and over and over again, yeah, Tony Soprano is just, he 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 may be in a class of his own, but in terms of my favorite and someone that i at least someone that i can identify myself with i would say frank underwood
1: see the funny thing is this is one of those questions where i probably should have made it a genre specific or medium specific
0: you could have you could have but i i i think that's a very uh that's a that was a good question and uh definitely one that i'm going to be thinking about for a while and saying to myself wow really is frank underwood really my guy but i think the right second now, yeah for right now, for right now, I'll say I'll say he's my guy. So I have a question. I have another question here um, from one of our anonymous listeners that listens to the show and knows that we both went to Hofstra University and he happens to go to Hofstra University as well. And his question is, what is the one thing that you love the most about Hofstra, and what is the one thing that you hate the most about Hofstra?
1: Honestly, I could be really funny here and say that uh, WRHU is my answer for both.
0: (laughs) I was going to say that. (laughs) I was going to say that. Uh, Love would be dealing with the non... No, love would be dealing with the music people that don't give a shit. Hate would be dealing with the news people who care too much. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, As I'm wearing my WRA2 shirt that I got from uh, from John. No. Well, that's tough. What what I love the most about Hostra, what I hate the most about Hofstra.
0: Um I can...
1: I think I'll go. I can go. Go I can, ahead. I go, go ahead. So mine is how, at least... This is very major specific, but I think how tight knit the radio program is at Hofstra that we're all friends more or less because we're all working together on projects. We're all, we're all in the same classes and year semester after semester because of how small the program is and that we are able to, even after some of us have graduated, we are still able to uh, talk to each other case on, in point. A, on a Snapchat group
0: and case in point us. <laughs> Oh man, this is this is a very tough question. Um because while I want to make it where other people would understand, I want to also make it very like clicky and exclusive where only Hofstra people would understand. Um the best thing about Hofstra I would say the best thing about Hofstra is when you get when you would get to to school early enough, when you could park behind Breslin and the Lawrence Herbert School of Com, and you get that back lot because that would be that would be pretty close to where I was at the end of my days. So when I could just go to my class in Breslin or in LHSOC. And I could just walk out, get my car, and go home. That was one of the best parts of my day. So whenever I got to be in that back lot, it was, uh, was quite wonderful. Well, that's a niche part, of a niche. It, right very, it, it is a niche of a niche, yes. But the worst part about Hofstra is easy. That was the one that I went, that was, just came right, right off. And that was the smell that would be let off when you would walk into the gallon wing. Oh my heavenly father, <laughs> I can I can still I still have that smell lodged in my uh, brainial crevices. It, uh, I it, that will be a smell that I will never forget for the rest of my life of just how bad it was. It was somewhere in between organic decomposition and just flat out death like really couldn't figure out which way it was leaning it smelled um, like a
1: colonial house with a dead guy in it
0: yeah it, that was awful 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 awful. and i had i was absolutely lucky enough to have three classes in the span of eight semesters in uh in the gallonway so whoop a whoop de do da they were there were a few buildings that i think Over my time at Hofstra, that I had classes in all the time. And the Gallon Wing happened to be one of them, unfortunately. It was the Gallon Wing. It was Barnard, where the Poli Sci building is, where all the smart people are, because I'm a smart guy. Allegedly. Confirmed. Uh, LHSOC, Lawrence Herbert Schoolcom, and Breslin. And uh, Zarb. So the actually, school, the school of business because I am yeah. I am all for business. I am a radio professional. So professionals happen to be in the uh, Zarb School of Business because they have to perfect their craft in business and professionalism, like me. Yeah. On that note,
1: I think the one thing I didn't like about Hofstra is this is definitely not like tops on my list. I would think but having classes in the basement of Breslin with no windows three hour here. Let me make this even more specific. Three hour classes in the basement of Breslin (laughs) at six 30 at night. (laughs) Are my, With
0: with a certain somebody
1: with a certain radio professor that is now the assistant Dean at the Lawrence Herbert School of Communication.
0: Well, you better hope this doesn't get back to Hofstra.
1: Well, I think that even he thought that that, class at that time was not a good idea.
0: Oh, he probably did considering he, uh, he absolutely made sure that you were in that class for three hours every single Wednesday. And if you weren't, so help you God.
1: Yeah. Well, there were some times where we got to uh, not be there and like go to an assembly or something. Thank God. I, I'll just say that, thank God that Ben was in that class. Cause I would probably go insane if he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out, Abrams. Shout out, Abrams. But uh, that's a great question, Bird. Big fan of that. Very Hofstra specific.
0: Very, very niche question. It, yeah. it was, but we, we we, stand
1: Hofstra. We do. We do. We, we definitely do. So my next question is, what was the worst sporting event you've ever been to in your life?
0: Oh, oh, I thought we thought we had this question last on the last episode that we talked about this um we talked about it off air actually yeah 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 it was um it was the uh, jets giants preseason game this was probably about five or six years ago because i just had i had no interest because it was yeah. jets and it was jets and the giants it was week three of the preseason none of the starters were playing and it was the jets and the giants again so my question is why did you go Uh, One of our friends is a season ticket holder for the Giants, and she had the tickets to that game and decided to take us thinking that we both were going to love it, and she had no idea that I was a Dallas Cowboys fan. And when we got there, and I refused to wear a Giants jersey, I had to tell her that I was a Cowboys fan. Oh, my God. Yes, i say that my relationship with her was never the same. I'll tell
1: you what, that was kind of – yeah, if somebody – if somebody took me to a, to a Patriots game and didn't know that I was a Jets fan and then made me wear a Tom Brady jersey, I'd, be, I'd like end that friendship immediately. Like, listen, how do you not know me well enough to know that I hate this, that I hate everything about this?
0: You would probably need to be cleansed, exercised, um, go into the river of reincarnation. I don't know. I would I would seriously ask you, what the fuck is wrong with you if I ever saw you in a Tom Brady jersey? Oh my god. Well that's how I, you I, know, I would know something's wrong.
1: That's how you know if like an invasion of the body snatchers thing happened and somebody traded me in for somebody else, if I was wearing a Tom Brady jersey like what happened to you? Oh god. Who did this to you? Where are they?
0: Where are they now? <laughs> Prosecute them to the highest extent of the law.
1: Somebody switched or like if somebody freaky Friday with me and they sw- and they switched bodies. That's that's how you know. That is like a sure sign. I think I saw a question like that on Twitter where it's like they were asking a bunch of YouTubers, and it's like if you were held hostage while making a video, and there was one way, and there was one thing you could tell your fans knowing that they know that you were in trouble, what would it be?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And everybody who responded to the tweet said something that was completely opposite to what they would to uh what they believe. It was very funny. Yowie wowie. That was, so, very, that
0: was a very, that was a very, very good question.
1: Yes, my answer for that is uh, my very first ever Mets game, which was in two thousand six. Oh, it was the Mets and the Diamondbacks. It Ooh. was just like a really boring game. We were sitting behind home plate, but we were behind home plate about fifty feet up in Shea Stadium, and we were almost all the way towards the back wall. So I could, so basically, the only view I could see was, uh. A bird's eye view. Oh boy. And it was just a boring, boring game. There weren't a lot of people there. I don't even remember what day it was. It was just like a run of the mill afternoon game. And the Mets lost.
0: So yikes. Know, not fun. Yikes mama. All right. So is it, is it my turn? Yes. Okay. This is an interesting this is an interesting question. I've given a little bit of thought to, but I still have not been able to come up with an order. Um, rank the teams that you support in order in order of least important to most important. Okay. In order of least important to most important. least important is easy. Least they suck. Is the next. Yes. That's that's easy. That's easy, but that but now the rest is is
1: it Um Wow. This is like, how excited would you be
0: if these teams won a championship? This is like asking me to rank my kids in order of who I like the least to who I like the most. Honestly.
1: Yeah. Well, at, least the, at least we know the Knicks are the, are the ones we care about the least. But even then,
0: I would All say right. – I think I have my list. If you want to go ahead, go ahead.
1: I would say the Mets. The actually no, I would say the Red Bulls first or second last because I don't give a fuck about them. I would say the Mets probably. I would say Man City, um, the Rangers, and then the Jets. Hmm. Interesting.
0: I would say if you the ask Knicks. me that
1: if you ask me that question, like. Three or four years ago, it would probably be flip. It would be completely different.
0: I would say the Knicks are last, but then the top four between the between the Cowboys, Arsenal, Rangers, and the Yankees is like you're you're pulling hairs between the four. Um, I would say I have my list written out, but I'm not sure if I if I like this list. Um, I would say the Yankees are fourth. Because I've seen them win. I've seen them win many times. Um then Dallas, then Arsenal, then the Rangers. Well
1: that's interesting.
0: Rangers are the most important. It's close. Very, very close between the uh between the Rangers and uh an arsenal, but at the end of the day, I've gone for, uh, for my blue shirts on Broadway. That's a good one. That's a great list. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
1: Okay. So this is my, my next question. I think this is the second to last for me. Yes. Yep. Yep. And then we have, uh, we have one more each. So this is from, uh, one of my friends. How do you think esports will change the face of the sports industry in the years to come?
0: <laughs> um, well, if you if you look at what eSports has been able to do, you're talking about a multi-million, if not billion-dollar industry that is on the rise and is only going to get more popular as the youth of today only gets older. And while our parents, when they were growing up, were watching sports like baseball, where they were watching sports like football, where they were watching sports like basketball, for instance, the kids of today... We're watching eSports. We're watching Madden Sims. We're watching uh, Fortnite tournaments. We're watching, um, I don't know, uh, League of Legends tournaments, Warzone tournaments, things like that. And if you look at the overall markets of the big four sports leagues of the NHL, NBA, NFL, and MLB, they are operating almost a – 70% 70% loss over the last 5 years while esports is dominating the overall market and you have now television channels that are dedicated to just esports you have athletes and owners people aka people who, people who have deep 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 pockets who own esports teams or are contributing to esports teams i mean it is just it's such a huge market that Really is so relatively unexplored, and I I really think that East, that esports and just gaming in general is just going to be so huge over the next five to ten years, and I think we're re- re- we will really be talking about esports being the future of how we consume our overall sports, and we could be talking about instead of there being a big four. We could start then talking about a big five if there is uh, some sort of esports league that comes into uh, that comes into play. So I really like that question because that is a that is a question that is deep. It's a question that I'm very very passionate about as well. Given that I I've been doing a ton of research on on the space because it is it is something that I am just so fascinated with to see where in fact esports goes. So. That's been my favorite question so far by a mile. Well, very, I mean, very, very good question. Well, thank you. But uh, also,
1: this is because you're working on a project that concerns esports. This is very true. That I probably can't talk about.
0: Uh, in due course.
1: In due course, yeah. you can. But the thing is, for this, I I like this question also because – um esports like you said is really on the rise people are i mean most of the time it's by circumstance but especially now a lot of people are watching people playing video games online because that's just the that's just what we have at the moment but even before then uh i mean i'm very into uh street fighter and fighting games in general and the amount of tournaments that they have throughout not just america but uh asia as well and europe it is incredible and they, and the cool thing is that a lot of the companies are supporting these uh esports endeavors and sponsoring the tournaments making the tournaments happen like a uh, one big example i can think of is capcom who is doing the uh, capcom pro tour quote-unquote of uh Street Fighter tournaments across, throughout the year that end in an uh, in uh, invitational of all the top players that won all of those uh, tournaments. And also, I mean, if all, everything was normal, we would, in August, we'd be having one of the biggest fighting game tournaments of the year, which is the Evolution Championship Series in Las Vegas. But uh, that was canceled. It's moving online. But yep. still... It's uh, it's a growing industry. People are very into it. I think the funny thing, the interesting thing is, like with every hobby that goes mainstream, you have a lot of people saying, "Well, you know, I don't think it's as good now as it used to be." But there, I mean, there are definitely some things that in esports where I'm like, "Well, you know, maybe that's not the greatest sort of uh, that's not the greatest thing you should be focusing on at the moment." But mostly, mostly esports is go- is growing and they're doing a lot of the right things.
0: That was a very good question. I, I do I genuinely genuinely enjoy that. Yep. All right, so what's your last question? So, my last question is a it, it, it's a it's a sort of deep-ish question, but um I think it's one that is worth talking about. Um what are what is your overall opinions on people who have been who are known steroid users? as I'm reading the question on my phone, I can barely see, uh, that are known steroid users in Major League Baseball being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And to that, I would say that in the world we live in now, there are are things that are uh, much bigger fish to fry. I have been on record in saying that Pete Rose needs to be inducted into the Hall of Fame immediately. And uh, my point still stands with players who have been... um, implicated for using steroids, so players like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Alex Rodriguez, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. I believe that they do have a place in the Baseball Hall of Fame because I think if you look at who was – many people will say that he's the best pure hitter of all time, and I think I would possibly agree, and I think I'd even go a step further and say he's one, he's one of the greatest players of all time in Barry Bonds, um, why he should not be in the Baseball Hall of Fame is a flat-out joke, and he he should absolutely 100% be inducted into the Hall of Fame, as well as Roger Clemens, who is a generational-type pitcher, Alex Rodriguez, same same there, top five of all time in, in home runs, Mark McGuire, who is one of the most iconic figures of, uh, of late 90s, early 2000s baseball, and Sammy Sosa as well. So, uh, yes, I do believe that people who have been or have been accused and have been proven to have used steroids should, in fact, be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And I think we are getting there in terms of having that happen because when one happens, the rest will follow.
1: See, the, the interesting thing is that my stance on this has changed over the years. I, Pete Rose, I think Pete Rose should be inducted into the Hall of Fame because, I mean, really, he wasn't cheating at yep. all. He it was, it was just – he's betting on his own team to win. Right. So it's not Not even like the Black Sox, Black Sox uh, scandal where they threw the World Series. Pete Rose is betting on his team to win. So what's wrong with that?
0: There's nothing wrong with that at all.
1: I don't see a problem. But with steroid users, this is legitimate cheating, giving players a competitive advantage. I, I'm not a fan of holding players who played in that era – to a, an unreasonable sort of standard to just assume that everybody did steroids in the, uh, in the late 90s to uh, mid-2000s. Like, I think that, I mean, there are always accusations of uh, Mike Piazza and uh, Craig Biggio of doing steroids just because of the era that they played in. I, I think that's unfair. But for players that were proven cheaters, I mean especially Sammy Sosa who cheated in multiple ways when he was caught having a uh, corked bat as well. I don't know. I'm not crazy about players like that being inducted into the Hall of Fame. A place you can talk about them in in a in a baseball museum. You can say this is this the steroid era happened. This is what happened. These are the players that were implicated. But in a place that is meant to show the best of the best, who did not cheat in any way. I don't know. I wouldn't be comfortable necessarily with players who have been proven to take steroids be in the Hall of Fame. Speculation, whatever. If they weren't proven, then it shouldn't really factor. But if they were proven and they tested positive for steroids, then there's then I think that it's it's not right for them to be in enshrined. In the Hall of Fame, have the greatest, one of the greatest honors of your baseball career be
0: bestowed upon you and have that be gained by cheating. My quick rebuttal to that is then I would say 40% of the Hall of Fame in the NFL would need to be expunged from the record completely because the NFL does allow a certain level of HGH in your system and has allowed a basic level of HGH and increased level of HGH in your system since the early two thousands. So that's number, that's number one to that point. Number two, I would say even before Barry bonds got yoked or Alex Rodriguez got swole, as the kids say, they were still unbelievable players. And the only way that steroids and performance enhancers really up their game, so to speak was they just got them so much bigger, but it didn't, well, cha- it didn't change who they were as players because Barry bonds with the pirates was still an unbelievable hitter. And he was still smashing 45, 50 home runs a year. And same with Alex Rodriguez, when he was in, when he was the, in the early part of Seattle, when he was, when he came on the scene as a young rookie. And then in Texas, when he was a star that nobody was talking about. And then of course the early years with the, with the Yankees for his, his, uh, his indictment, unfortunately, on the steroid charges that he had in 2007. So um, I, don't, I don't see a problem with, with it. I think it's, it's commonplace now. Modern medicine and science has come a long way. And, I mean, if we're, if we're implicating a few players in the MLB for using human growth hormone, which is what, they, what they've been using, um, then we need to implicate other leagues as well for, for using it. And I don't think the NFL wants to be told that forty percent of their Hall of Famers need to be taken out because they were playing with increased levels of HDH. That's just my thought.
1: Well, I think as a as a quick aside a rebuttal to your rebuttal, if you will, if they were all if Arod and Barry Bonds were already incredible players before they took steroids, then why did they take steroids to begin with?
0: Because I think if anybody if anybody is told, hey, you're pretty big but you want to be bigger, you want to do it, I'd say yes.
1: I guess. I don't know.
0: There's no such there's no such thing as being too small, there, Mister Caser. Yes, there is. No, there's not. No, there there absolutely is not. You want you want those buys and tries to be the size of your freaking thighs.
1: Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, with the amount of horrible, detrimental side effects that steroids have, we can't have steroids be encouraged
0: by having. True, true, they make a certain a certain body part uh, much much smaller,
1: and they also lead to. uh, higher temper or a shorter temper as well.
0: I must be, I must be just loaded up on steroids. Then.
1: I mean, some people have, you know, a predisposition to that sort of thing, but I played must... the fifth. Anyway, the last question that I have is actually kind of related to what we talked about in news and notes Ooh. is um, how do you think sports will return to the general public after the quarantine ends?
0: In in what way are we talking about fans and stadiums? Are we talking about how the public is just going to respond to sports with empty arenas? Like what's the, what's the context of that question?
1: I guess it should be how, it'll be how does sports how do uh, people respond to sports with empty arenas in America?
0: Um, well, I can tell you, just based on first glance that I've been watching the Bundesliga, it's been very weird seeing the, the empty stadiums. But you do, you do definitely get uh adjusted to it. Yeah, it's gonna be very, very different seeing um closed off NBA arenas and, and hockey arenas and potentially football stadiums as well in the fall. Um but I think I think like with everything else we will um we will adjust. We will get used to it. And I think it'll be I think it'll be fine. And I think while it's not going to be as, I guess, aesthetically pleasing, knowing that you have the, uh, the roar and the pomp and the circumstance of, uh, of the crowd in play, um, it will it'll be a whole new, whole new dynamic. I think I was talking to someone about this as well, and one of the things that they had brought up was this could be a great opportunity to do what the XFL did in the NFL in terms of micing up select players and having them be mic'd up and that could be an avenue in which the NFL can go to can go to if their season is played where they can keep intrigue and keep fan investment into their into their games. So I thought that was a really, really good idea. And there are definitely ways in which these leagues can work around the no fan interactions and make it still very appealing. For the viewing audience watching on television and uh, and at home, so I think it's a very very good question because there are whole there are a whole bunch of avenues that these leagues can uh, can go down, but there's just a few examples.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's going to be weird for fans starting out, especially if they haven't watched the Bundesliga. But I mean, I think the funny thing is, you remember a couple years ago the uh, Falcons got fined for pumping in crowd noise. Of course, to uh, the Georgia Dome. I think that might end up being the standard for now, where I think it would be weird watching a Jets game without
0: hearing J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 before a kickoff. It's going to be very strange. Or I have a vaccine by September, and we are back in full stadiums. I mean, I mean what, they're, what they're ruling in, uh, in Texas now, and I believe there are a whole bunch of states that are going to be following the lead on Texas on this, is that they're allowing 25% capacity in, in stadiums. At, yeah. least in te- at least in Texas, which I don't know if I don't know if uh, teams and organizations are really going to do that, considering they still have to they still have to pay for a full full capacity when they're only getting a quarter. But it's it's a start in the right direction. Look, someone has to do it before uh, before everybody else does. Someone's going to have to be the guinea pig that allows fans back in stadiums, and we see what the numbers uh, what the numbers suggest. I think if all those numbers are positive, then we are back to having uh, much, more, uh, much more full stadiums in, in no time.
1: Well, I hope that that works out, but I don't know. Being realistically, I don't, I don't know. I think the interesting thing is going to be college football because I would be shocked if that happens.
0: Without I don't that think scene. there's a season. I, I, don't, I don't think there's a college football season. I mean, especially
1: players who, who are not paid to go out and risk their lives, at least. Yeah. Players in the Premier League and professional sports in general are being paid handsomely for their services. Correct. In college sports, nobody's being paid, besides the coaches <clears> and everybody else. The players are not getting paid, which right. is—I mean—they actually proposed legislation to Congress about that. That is a uh, another thing. Thank God, it's about time. Tense. But about time. Yeah, I don't think college sports is really going to work. It's going to be very, very strange. This is just the time we live in. Yep. So, yeah, this is, this is great. I love this, this Q&A. This is very good. Thank you to, uh, to everyone who, uh, who submitted questions. Yep, definitely. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast. You can see all episodes of the Basement Talk Podcast on Apple Podcast and Spotify. The name is just the Basement Talk Podcast. Please remember to listen and leave us a five-star review and let us know what you think of all of our episodes and what we should talk about next. Next time, I don't really know what we're doing. As far as uh, once again, it's a surprise, surprise even to us, <laughs> as per usual. <laughs> but anyway, for my co host, Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Caster, and we will talk to you next time on the Basement Talk podcast. Bye bye.